Welcome back to the Discussionarium. This time, we're going to be talking doom scrolling. For any listeners out there, for those of you who don't know what doom scrolling is, it is the act of consuming a large quantity of negative online news all at once. Um, And mental health experts have stated that the practice can be detrimental to our mental health. I can honestly say I hadn't heard of doom scrolling until very recently. Is it something you'd heard of, Alex? Uh, no, I have to say I hadn't. The first I knew about it was um, when I saw on Facebook that Alex Lowe, uh, he's the actor uh, who is the creator of Barry from Watford and also of the uh, psychic phenomenon that is Clinton Baptiste, who is uh, an expert at probing our souls. And he said that uh, his wife had basically outed him as a doom scroller. Uh, but what was interesting was that one of his friends posted back, you used to do this years ago with the newspapers. Really? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So um, so I was uh, interested to know whether he was kind of like a glass half empty type of person or even a, a pessimist or perhaps even a fatalist. Uh, and I, I put that to him uh, and he said, well, no, actually, do you know what I'm I'm quite a positive person and i think probably what what drives me is that kind of initial voyeuristic thrill it's really interesting because somebody else recognized it in him as opposed to him realizing it himself and obviously the fact that he's saying he's fairly optimistic and yet he never realized he was doing it did ask him if he'd like to be on the podcast and uh, unfortunately he said no but that was because he's very busy uh writing stuff for his forthcoming stratospheric tour uh which oh, if don't blame list- him then. yeah well if listeners want to find out more they can look at clintonbaptiste.com so obviously it's a shame that uh alex lowe can't join us um but we do have uh, a person who um admits to doom scrolling uh she's a self-confessed doom scroller and if truth be told she's actually a bit of a facebook rottweiler so welcome candace pierce yeah it's interesting you say that because i used when i worked at a company in cambridge my second job out of uni my boss used to call me the company rottweiler (laughs) which which, you know Hindsight was probably a huge insult, but I was strangely proud of it at the time. Candice, you you kind of um, you do tend to go and and search out, I think, stuff on the on the interweb and particularly uh, social media, where you kind of it's almost it, it's almost something that's affirmatory to your view or your expectation that there's going to be some negative stuff there. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So so. It's an interesting one because, I mean, I had never encountered the term doom scrolling before, but I can certainly relate to it. And I think there's a certain comfort almost in, you know, your expectations being, you know, uh, confirmed, Um, even if those expectations are that the world is full of idiots and morons. and, And I think 
you know, if you think about the days pre-social media, which, you know, if you think about it, and even when I was at university, there wasn't any social media. You know, even email was quite a new concept. Um, you didn't encounter this outpouring of people's views in the way that you do now. Um, but I do find that, you know, I find myself, you know, for instance, I follow um, a p- Facebook page, you know, IFL Science, which stands for I Fucking Love Science, and you know it's tabloid science kind of stuff but obviously they'll put things like hey aren't vaccines great and of course you get you know all of those people that say things like oh no but they're you know killing our children and causing autism and and all this kind of thing and you know I know that's what's going to be there and I know it's going to infuriate me and yet I will still look for it or I'll still read the comments um and, you know, if you often look in the comments on those sections, you get the people that put the, you know, the famous uh, uh, gif of, of Michael Jackson in the thriller video, you know, sitting, eating popcorn in the in the, in the movie theatre. And it's like, and the comment is, you know, I came here for the comments. And it's true. I think people do go just to, you know, like you just said, really, almost like it's like being attracted to the entertainment value of it or the, or the, the you know, the fact that it's a bit of a freak show. Candice, tell me, we, we obviously know that Alex Lowe does it. Um, and you've confessed to the fact that you doom scroll, but are you aware or know of any other people that doom scroll at all? I know a lot of people that do it. I don't think it's just me. And as you've said rightly before, I do interact occasionally. And where does that actually get you? I mean, do you really think you're going to change opinions or views of other people? It's an exercise in futility because you're not going to change these people's views. I mean, it's like a religion. You know, they believe in. I don't know that, you know, that, that that anybody other than Trump are, you know, communists. They believe that vaccines are, you know, governments were poisoning us. You know, they're, they're, they're going to have those views no matter what I say. But sometimes it's just too tempting to interact. <laughs> so knowing that it's unlikely that you're going to change um, somebody's opinion, what actually drives your interaction? It's fury. I mean, to give you the, I mean, we've joked before about how I'm, I'm the person that takes on the anti-vaxxers, but in all seriousness, um, you know, obviously my kids are vaccinated, they're protected, they're safe, etc. I'm immunocompromised. So I take, so I have, um, uh, I have autoimmune disease. I have something called cirrhotic arthritis and I take very high doses of immune suppressants. And I started taking them about a year ago when I was finally diagnosed um, you know, for that very reason, I'm getting my vaccine next week. You know, I, I'm considered to be clinically vulnerable. Now, because of that, because of the immune suppressants, even diseases that I've been vaccinated for, like mumps and measles and things like that, um, and diseases that I've had, like chickenpox, I am possibly still vulnerable to again, because um when you take these immune suppressants, you effectively knock out your immune system. That's how they work. They, you know, because in my condition, it's my immune system that's overactive. So suddenly, probably in the last year particularly, it's become personal. You know, it's become your, you know, ridiculous view, which is completely not backed up by any science or any facts, you know, may personally affect me. Um and I think also the fact that we're living through a pandemic where really the only way out of it is going to be through people becoming immune through vaccination and is it, it now becomes personal. It becomes emotive. 
so when it doesn't affect you so much are you quite relaxed about other opinions then if somebody said i believe in god and that doesn't affect me right that doesn't affect me if you if you, if you believe in fairies it doesn't affect me so it's none of my business um you know somebody's i mean obviously i don't have a problem with anyone's sexuality or anything like that but even that like my say to my kids i've got a rule that i say to my kids if it doesn't affect you personally it doesn't hurt anyone that you love it's none of your business right so we i had to have this discussion with my son quite a while you know a few years ago we were reading a book and it was about a boy that liked to wear girls clothes and he said that's weird and I said why is it weird well what? well it's just not right and I said well, why isn't it right because he was aggressively male you know he's a little boy and he's you know full of hormones and stuff and and I said but that's none of your business it doesn't hurt you it doesn't affect you it's none of your business you know so I would say that in most respects I'm seriously liberal I don't if it doesn't affect me I'm not interested so like your health and your well-being are, are obviously um, really a, a big issue for you, especially given your health condition. I think in the pre-chat you were talking to us about something else that kind of winds you up just a little bit. I get a bit kind of get a bit cross about this whole wellness stuff, you know, where you've got people spouting stuff online about you can yourself with herbs right it's exactly the same thing you know I was bedridden this time last year I couldn't look after my own kids it was strong steroids chemotherapy drugs that I took that got me out of bed and got me moving and got me back to the semblance of normality that I live now it wasn't sodding herbs it wasn't turmeric right so it kind of gets me when people say hey this is complimentary it's great and it might make you feel a bit better and take the edge of things Absolutely, I'm I'm totally behind that. But when people spout, oh, this is what cures you, this is gonna this is gonna make you better, and you don't need those terrible drugs, you don't need that nasty medicine. Well, actually, sometimes you do, right? If you're diabetic, you need insulin. If you if you've got asthma, you need you know steroid medication. Otherwise, you might die. <laughs> you just mentioned like the need for people to take medication for certain conditions. Um, and that kind of segues into something else you mentioned in the pre-chat. And it's kind of the fact that some people seem quite prepared to take all the meds they need and are prescribed, but then don't actually trust the COVID vaccine or vaccines in general. Um, and you said there was actually a term for that. I think it was cognitive dissonance. I discovered the term cognitive dissonance and it just sums up, I think, the current sort of zeitgeist, the current world of today, in that you can have two completely opposing views and you can hold them. So you can take medication for your asthma and take your medication for your diabetes and go to a doctor and go to a dentist and go to all these medical professionals and at the same time think they're trying to poison you with a vaccine. But these same people, these same evil people that are trying to give your children autism are also the people that you're happily re receiving other medication and other medical treatment from. Well, that's ridiculous. That's cognitive dissonance, right? They're either evil and part of a big campaign, or they're not. Are there any other issues that trigger a similar response and that cause you to react and engage with them? When there was all the stuff on the internet and all the stuff on the news about, you know, kids that weren't getting well fed and, you know, that, that the government were taking away um, provision in the holidays for the kids, you know, to get free school meals, etc., 
you know, I grew up in in a I was came from a perfectly well off family, you know, not well off, but you know, we lived in a council house, but we, we certainly had enough food and things like that. But you know, I knew kids that went to school and they were hungry and they they smelt really bad because their parents didn't look after them properly. And you know, it doesn't doesn't really matter whether the parents are smoking 20 cigarettes a day and buying a widescreen TV, right? If that kid's going hungry, it's still a kid going hungry. So when people say things like, oh, it's just people wanting handouts, that kind of thing, you know, feel it's, I feel it personally because I think, you know, you don't understand how people do live and how what a struggle it is for some people. So oh, anyway, it's a long way of saying that I think I hold some views, particular views, very strongly because I feel, you know, personally affected by them. And when someone, you know, if someone comes up with a, a decent argument that's, you know, well reasoned, even if it, I consider it incorrect, it's different. You know, this is the internet, right? It's just a bunch of idiots that are just spouting at the mouth, right? So, so yeah, I shouldn't interact with them. You're quite right. I should just ignore them and move on. But it's very hard. And I think if you encountered them in real life, you probably would ignore them and move on because there's a risk that you might physically come to blows. But on the internet it's safe isn't it you're you know behind a computer screen so but isn't there i'm not sure i would ignore them if i met them in public actually i think if i think there's a difference isn't there like if i found out through a friend of a friend that somebody that i happen to know held a particular view i wouldn't approach them and aggressively but if they stood outside my kid's school and preached it i'd approach them so have you ever had a situation where you felt that you've had to get involved I'll give you an example. One of the parents outside school uh, was telling everybody that they didn't need to wear a mask. And if they came to her, she'd get them one of their sunflower lanyards. She can get a handful of these things. She was giving them out to the parents just to get round the fact that they, you know, didn't like wearing a mask in school. And I had a personal problem with that because that puts my kids at risk. That puts me at risk. And so I reported this woman and I made a big fuss to the point where the head had to have a word of her told her she wasn't allowed on school grounds because the fact of the matter is she was doing something incredibly negative, incredibly dangerous and incredibly ill thought out. And she was preaching it loud and clear. I wouldn't stand back and let that happen. I kind of just want to take you back to your comment about um, it kind of being safe behind a computer screen. Um, isn't that a little bit worrying in that that's kind of maybe the attitude of trolls um you know it's all safe behind a computer screen i can say what i like well i don't think that i mean i think i think you might be slightly mischaracterizing this um i don't think it's trolling to reply to someone and say that's total rubbish but you know don't get me wrong it, it is that doom scrolling it is that attraction to aggro you know and and come on we all like a bit of aggro I mean that's why people watch EastEnders isn't it because they like to see conflict they like to see drama so do you like the aggro then does it give you like a voyeuristic thrill um you know do you um derive enjoyment from it at all ironically actually it causes me quite a lot of anxiety and I think it's the anxiety that brings out the anger because it's like you know shit there seems to be a lot of people on here that believe this but that seems very counterintuitive if you don't mind me saying yeah, you're, it's contradictory. Why put yourself out there for that? Why put yourself out there for an argument when actually you don't really like arguing? So it's quite obvious that when you feel it personally, it, it affects you quite a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's you can tell it's it's a big thing for me. With all that said, then, I mean, do you think that 
there's a possibility that you would be able to to step back from it, not get involved uh, and, and not let it get to you. I don't know. It's it's difficult. It's very much the science-based stuff that really gets me. I'm very much a, a scientifically minded person and, and it, you know, I'm not saying science is all correct. Obviously, over the years, things evolve and develop. Um, but, you know, I mean, there are still people that deny that the AIDS, AIDS crisis ever happened. Seriously? So when have you encountered that then? I went to South Africa for a business trip and I turned on the TV mm. in the morning in the hotel and the health minister in South Africa was saying there was no link between HIV and AIDS. The actual health, health minister was saying that you could go to like a village shaman and they would cure you. Oh, and I was my like, word. How can anyone live in this world? I mean, it's horrific, right? I guess we've come full circle back to the question then. Uh, do you think you can change anything by interacting or is it just that the world is as bad as you say it is? I, I don't think I can. And I think that's where the, at the addiction to outrage, you know, that, that, that kind of doom scrolling and, you know, almost feeling vindicated. I mean, I, 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 was, I wrote a blog actually about this once, which was, funnily enough, I think I coped quite well at the beginning of lockdown and, you know, the beginning of the pandemic because I almost felt vindicated. Because when you live with anxiety, when something really shit happens, you think, you see, I told you that would happen. <laughs> I've been expecting this for about the last 15 years. Um, you know, it's like the old Spike Milligan, you know, on his gravestone, I told you I was sick. You know, it's kind of. Yeah, I love that. But it is exactly that. And, you know, it's it's kind of weird that, you know, things like the true crime, true crime's huge at the moment, right? And it's and if you actually look at the communities around true crime, like the podcast, the true crime podcast, things like My Favourite Murder, which is a really famous podcast that and it's just particularly women are particularly attracted to because it's two women that host it. And it's really fascinating that their listener base, the majority of them are very anxious people. They're people with severe anxiety, with mental health issues, you know, and yet they like listening about horrific murders and, you know, <laughs> people being dismembered and, you know, it and it's it's like, why? Why is that? That's so weird. Why? Would you want to hear that that misery? I think some of it's human psychology and that you want to kind of almost feel that fear, feel that anxiety. And perhaps we live in such a, a cosseted world now that that adrenaline rush we need to get from other things. Maybe that's shouting at someone on Facebook or listening to, you know, a horrible podcast about horrible murder or whatever. I don't know. But there seems to be... I can I can wax lyrical about this for hours because they during if you actually look at things like movie releases during a time of like big upheaval social upheaval in particular countries and stuff like you get a lot of horror movies and it's there's a pattern because basically people want that you know that adrenaline rush it's like a vindication it's like we know we knew it was bad and now we're you know we're, we're well wallowing in it and it's yeah it's really interesting it's really interesting why does anyone do these things. I think it's just because it's an emotional thing, you know, just to, to realise almost like looking behind the curtain, you know, Wizard of Oz and finding out that actually there are a lot of dreadful people. Out there. Mm. It's almost uh, like a bit of an addiction to the reaction, whether the reaction is good or bad. It's you're still getting something back. Oh, I don't know. I don't even know if I, if it's the reaction. I think it's more 
I don't know. I, don't, I mean, you know, it's an interesting phenomenon and that's why doom scrolling is a thing, right? People look for negative things. They look for, you know, horrible news. And and I think we've all just become a bit addicted to that. Like if you look at our press, you know, it's, it's outrage and, and horror on every page. It's not, you know, there aren't very many good news stories. I mean, you know, what's happened to the whole drop the dead donkey story, you know, the dead donkey. It's, it's you know, or the funny story at the end of the news. It doesn't happen anymore, does it? But then I think people still look for it. Because, I mean, if you think about the Captain Tom stuff, um, you know, when he was raising money, the old chap that raised money, you know, people loved that. People were really latched onto that. And I think, you know, there's probably still an appetite for it, but we live in a world now where you can you can look onto Facebook and you can find out, you know, 50 horrible things before you've even got out of bed in the morning. But isn't that just down to the fact that kind of if you look at one thing, you'll be presented with another similar thing. And then if you look at that, you'll be presented with something else that's similar. Uh, it, and it just goes on. My my husband's always saying to me, like, the reason you see a lot of this news that upsets you and things like that is because you interact with it. Of course, that's how social media algorithms work. You know, if you interact with anti-vaxxers and fascists and pro-Trump lovers, you're going to see more of that because that's yeah, how. It comes back. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but you know, it's the world we live in now. You know, it's. It's really interesting. So you've kind of spoken about how um, you worry about your health uh, and that of your families and things you see on social media uh, concern you in in that regard. Um, But what other concerns have you got um, that you look at social media and think, oh, my God, that's terrible? I do worry for the kids because, you know, you see a different side of people, you know, in these sorts of environments that, you know, I wouldn't have been exposed to as a 10 or 11 year old. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day and that when I was at school, I was quite badly bullied, which is probably why I'm quite aggressive now. <laughs> Just Basically inside, I'm still this, you know, this little 10 year old that's scared of everything. But um, when I came home, it was a safe space, right? I came home from school and I didn't have to deal with those people and I didn't have to see them until the next morning. But these days, it's everywhere, you know. If you, they're going to be constantly targeted on social media and, you know, they've all got phones people can text them on and, and you just think, God, it must be horrible, you know, to be a bullied child in the 21st century. It's just too much, really, you know. There's no escaping it. Yeah, I can't get away from it at all. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, that is an interesting point. I think it's that thing of, as you say, sort of being able to go home and know that you were protected. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and you know, when I think about some of those girls that bullied me at school, you know, the sort of bullying, that subtle, negative, you know, it wasn't physical. It was just mental, you know, like torture, really. Mm-hmm. You imagine what that would have been like being friends with them on Facebook. And, you know, particularly for girls, because girls, I think, often have what they call frenemies, where they're actually friends, but they're actually horrible to them. Um, you know, because you could say, well, you know, you don't be friends with people like that on social media, you block them or whatever. But it isn't as easy as that, because with girls, it's always, I think, a lot more complicated in that they 
you know, often the, the people that are the nastiest to them are the people that are actually part of their social group. Yeah, it's got to be tough because I suppose the thing is with, with Facebook, isn't it, particularly your social status is almost measured by the number of friends you've got. Thank God that I've got boys in a way because as much as I desperately wanted it also, in fact, when I found out my second son was a boy, I only cried for 24 hours. <laughs> no. <laughs> Either he'll not have to listen to this podcast or we'll have to edit that out. No, no, no. I tell him regularly. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why I've not got a third child, in case it was another bloody boy. But um, in a way, actually, I think my friend, actually, when I found out I was having another another boy, she's a psychiatrist, and she said, oh, I think it's good that you've had and you're having boys because – I was I was a very emotional, very anxious child, and I think I might have easily projected that onto a daughter more than I have a boy, you know. So, but yeah, it is. It must be horrible when when they can when they can get you in your safe space, you know, with social media and with texting, or even if they don't get to you, you don't know they're not putting videos up on TikTok mocking you, right? So that everyone else can see it. So even if you are not connected to them, you know, they could easily be putting nasty content up on on other you know that other people are all laughing about and you know you go to school the next day and everyone's having a good laugh about something you don't you know you're not part of and I mean that for me is the worst bit of being bullied when you feel like you know everybody knows something you don't you know <laughs> kind of thing so yeah I'm really glad that I wasn't a, a child during that time you know it must be quite an unpleasant you know experience Okay, so what about your sons then? How do you feel about them using social media? Um, you know, and the other platforms that are out there at their ages. My boys wanted to start a YouTube channel, and one of them is a really good little video editor, and he does loads of really cool stuff. And I was terrified because I thought, what about the comments? What about what people will say? And he said, I don't care. Like if they say it's rubbish, I don't care. I'm not rubbish, but you know, he's quite a confident boy. But it terrified me that you know people you'd get. 50 people saying oh you you know ugly little kid or you specky or whatever you know and it would hurt him but he's more like his dad he's got a thick skin he would probably wouldn't have bothered him at all. <laughs> but, but it would bother me you know okay so I mean you said about like going actually going looking for the information but what about when it lands say on your news feed and it and it says this is disgraceful this is despicable share if you agree and people do just share it without actually sort of really fully reading it or going and looking to see if it's a, a hoax or a scam or something like that. Again, I, why, for me, I don't understand why people do that. But that people do that, don't they? People tend to gravitate towards facts that back up their own prejudice or their own belief. You know, it's like every year around November, you get all the pop, what I call poppy porn. Um, and one of the things you get every year is, you know, Muslims want to ban the sale of the poppy. Absolute rubbish, right? We know it's wrong. We know it's total crap. You know, we, you know, many, many, many Muslim people sell poppies, you know, to remember many, many Muslim soldiers fought in the wars, right? So it's total rubbish, but it's it's put out there for exactly that. And then, you know, people share, you know, because it because it 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 boys it bolsters their their initial prejudice. You see, you know, isn't it outrageous? But, you know, people will share it. And, and the other thing is, is that people want to recruit people to their view. They want other people to see it their way. Um, 
and I think that one of the things that I'm hoping in this generation, because I see it with my my 11 year old, he's still at primary school, he's in his final year, and they do certain exercises around, they call it PHSE, which is like personal social health, or I can't even remember what it stands for, but where they do do that, they say, hey, here's some, here's some information. Do you think it's right? Do you think it's wrong? And they get, they're encouraged to what we used to call critically analyse that information. You know, my, people, people joke about, I mean, I've got a, a humanities and arts, you know, degree with a lot of psychology based, something called communication studies. There's a lot of psychology in it. People make fun of it, you know, quite often say, oh, it's like media studies, you know, it's like a, not a proper, but actually it really did equip me for the world we live in today because pretty much the, the first thing at the top of every essay question was critically analyse, you know, this text or critically analyse this theorist's view, whatever. And it, it, it encouraged you to go, what are their motivation for saying this? What, where did this come from? Is there any historical fact? Is there any scientific facts? You know, you know, test it, test, test their hypothesis. Don't just consume it. And I think that, you know, we need to teach our kids how to do that because they're going to see a lot of crap on the internet. It's total rubbish. And it, and it takes, it's a skill to be able to go, I'm going to question that. That doesn't seem mm-hmm. right. It's what science is, isn't it? You have a hypothesis, but then you you do the work to try and prove or disprove it. And, um, you know, not just not just blatantly share it. And I think, you know, that's lacking. You know, and you, you see that on things like social media. People don't even question what they're sharing. And actually, my own family, I mean, my own family members have done that. And I've called them out on it and said, just read what you've, you know, what you've, what you've shared here. Do, do you think that's true? Do you, does that make sense? And when you actually point it out, a lot of the time they'll go, oh, no, I suppose not, you know. <laughs> okay, but you've now shared it with up 250 people. <laughs> thing is with it as well it's it's kind of like you say about teaching children but it is going back to you know you need to teach the parents and 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 the grandparents as well because they're at the moment they're the people that are sharing that sort of stuff and there's so many sites out there um like snopes and hoax slayer and and things like that and all you've got to do is is if you kind of look at it and think oh i don't know is that a bit you you just got to search it and there's so many so many of those posts that you look at and say this is rooted in an email scam from like 1990 whatever and it's just goes around and around and around and it's amazing how it can persist in just ever so slightly different forms so i mean i look at everything and 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 question as you say and and it is just that it's an easy google search with most of it just to find out that sort of 99.9% of it is just a scam or or just something that is purely and simply clickbait to reinforce a view, whatever that view may be. But what you're actually doing by sharing is you're disseminating their page because then people might click on their page and then they're confronted with the real message, which is that we hate anyone that's different to us. We hate foreigners, We you know, whatever. So it's it's a really... I mean, and, and the whole thing with Brexit was really interesting because <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story, right? We were in Cyprus. No, were we in Cyprus? Yes, we were in Cyprus. We were at a wedding and my mother's partner, who's old, you know, he's in his 80s. Anyway, we, we were going through security and he was told, 
every single time we've gone on holiday with this chap, because we often go on these big family holidays, we go through security and he's got liquids in his bag every time. And we even say to him, Peter, before you go through, you're not allowed to have your liquids. Remember that. And, you know, he'll say, I haven't got any liquids. And then, of course, they'll pull out the shaving foam. And (laughs) it's not a liquid. It is a liquid. You're not allowed to have it, you know. And I I heard him mutter under his breath as we were walking out. He said, I tell you what, when that Farage gets his way, we won't be any of this nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, I can't leave that. I said, what are you talking about? This is a security issue. Because, you know, people were able to to mix a book, you know, an explosive device, you know, with very small amounts of liquid. Anyway, he says, well, it's not only that, is it? You know, when we leave the EU, I might be able to get some proper lettuce. (laughs) (laughs) And and I mean, I was just dumbfounded. He was like, because he's seen so much Mono Rosso and, you know, these these unusual leaves in Texas, he's outraged because he can't get proper lettuce (laughs) because because of the European Union won't let him have proper lettuce. And, and, you know, you know, he voted Brexit, he voted to leave the European Union based on some complete misinformation about not being able to, if, he, if we leave, you'll be able to get proper lettuce. And he was so happy if he got to get <laughs> lettuce. And you just think, you know, it's a, it's funny, but it's actually really dangerous because, you know, people make decisions based on it, you know. <laughs> oh, I just, I, it's just, I mean, you should laugh really because it is ridiculous. But my, my, another family member told me that they voted for Brexit because, they're fed up with eating New Zealand lamb. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they're not bad people. They'll say things like, well, we're overrun with Eastern Europeans, aren't we? And I'll say, yeah, but you've got quite a few friends that are from Eastern Europe. Oh, they're all right. It's, it's, it's not them. It's, it's funny, funny old world, really. But they are teaching kids this in school now. And I think that's an awesome thing. And they're teaching them how to be safe on the internet. And, you know, my, my kids weren't massive gamers until lockdown and now they're obsessed with gaming but they really do understand internet safety like they really do understand they shouldn't be talking to people they don't know and you know if they get sent an email saying click on this link you know and you can get 100 v bucks or whatever it is you know they know they're not to click on it they know to ask us um and that's partly because they've got techie parents and that's partly because you know they get they get that message at school very strongly Okay, so a little bit of a change of tack. Do you think social media, and in particular Facebook we're talking here, um, that it helps strengthen friendships? I actually think it has the opposite effect too, that when you become friends with someone on social media, it's like it substitutes a real-life friendship. Like I remember when I was younger, we used to, I used to talk on the phone all the time. Even in my 20s, you know, me and a friend would get on the phone and we'd have an hour-long chat. But I think because they – I mean, I post quite a lot on Facebook mainly because the reason is that because I'm very close to my sisters and my mum and my, you know, my mother-in-law as well. And I haven't seen them. So I put a lot of content about the kids, you know, when Harry plays a new guitar piece or whatever, I'll put it up because they love to see it. Like they really love that. But people see that and they feel they're part of your life. Like they feel they're in your life because they see so much of your life. And then they don't feel like they need that contact with you. And I, I kind of find it a bit lonely now, really. I mean, obviously, I've still got friends that I see in person. But there are some friendships that used to be in person or used to be at least, you know, via the phone, they lived far away, that are now 
they like my post. It's not the same, is it? It's not. It's kind of sad, really. So then, in your opinion, is it not conducive to real friendship then? But don't get me wrong. There are some benefits, like. I've become friends on Facebook with people that I'm now having some interaction with that I would normally never have any interaction with, like friends that have moved to the States that I was at uni with, or you, know, you as well, you know, so we've been yeah. friends on and now we're chatting and now we're talking. So there are good things, um, you know, and a friend that I haven't seen for years, I friended on Facebook, we bumped into each other in the summer and on the beach in Norfolk and, and we had a lovely day and we, we now have a means to contact, to contact each other and we'll probably meet, you know, in the summer again with our kids. And it, it was lovely. And, you know, there are sort of good things about it. But what I find is that those really solid friendships, those people that I spoke to regularly, you know, even if it was only every three or four months, but we'd have a phone call, one of us would think, oh, I haven't spoken to so-and-so for a while. Because they see me online every day and because I see them, there's this kind of disconnect now. It's like, oh, well, I don't need to talk to you because I know exactly what you've been up to. <laughs> it's just weird, isn't it? It's kind of weird. We've talked about kind of some of the ne- negative stuff and the, the doom scrolling and things, but, you know, social media does have its benefits and you've touched on that. You've got in touch with people, contacted people you had not seen for ages, that kind of thing. But it has so many positives that it can open up the world to you and open up sort of avenues to, to other people and really interesting interactions but, you know, it's kind of like the devil and an angel on your shoulder, isn't it? Um, look at, look at you know, during this pandemic, my kids are not allowed to mix with their friends. They network when they game and they they play together. I mean, they play, you know, dreadful shooting people games, but they do talk to their friends. You know, they have that ability. And we were saying the other day, can you imagine this kind of lockdown in the 80s when there was just, if you couldn't go out and play with your friends, there was no means of contacting them. You know, it, yeah. it, in a way, it's 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 the ideal time for it because we've got so many capabilities. You don't have to be in the same room as someone. You know, we couldn't have recorded this conversation, could we? No, absolutely. You know, right. So, yeah, you're quite right. It has some serious positives, but it has some serious negatives. You know, I like working from home. But I do miss my colleagues. I do miss sitting next to, you know, my friend at work who who I like, you know, a bit of a chat and a bit of a debate with. And, um, yeah, it's just, it is, it's a really, it's a double-ended sword, isn't it? You know, double-sided sword or whatever the expression is. Double-edged. Double-edged. <laughs> all, all right, all right, Alex. You didn't need to just do that. We could have left the listeners would have listeners would have worked out for themselves. Double-ended sword. It sounds a bit pleasant, doesn't it? Well, if it was double-ended but not double-edged, you could hold it in the middle. Yes, you see. Ah, uh, see, there you go. Anyway. anyway, I think it's really interesting. I think we've we've gone from the the kind of really negative thing, the doom scrolling, the outrage and the polarizing nature sometimes of, of social media. Um, but obviously have to acknowledge that it does have extreme positives. So I guess the message is that, um, you know, if it, if it sort of gratifies you in some way, then doom scroll, um, but just do it in a, in a way maybe like um, Alex Lowe does it, a more voyeuristic way just to sort of get that initial sort of sense of uh, 
outrage out there and then just let it go i think rather than let it stew also don't believe everything that you read or or see on social media or even in the newspapers or on the news question isn't that right candace you said question well yeah the trouble is i mean it's that's that's a polarizing one it is a kind of a weird one because you say the general rule is question everything but actually a lot of these crazy people that's exactly what they're doing. They're actually questioning everything because they're saying, well, they tell us and the science says, but what are we really, you know, we should question that because what are we really being? And I think it comes from this thing. And I remember there was, was it Michael Gove a few years ago who said, we're sick of experts. And that's a really interesting concept now is that I think it's right to question everything, but I think it's also important that you trust people that, that are expert in things, you know, that there are people that really know what they're, you know, I, I'm i not a great guitarist, so I have a teacher to teach my son to play the guitar who's an expert, you know. It's, it's and, I, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say, well, I question your methods, because how could I possibly, because I'm not a teacher and I'm not a musician, so, or not, a, you know, a very good musician. So I just think, there are two yeah it's two things which is question things but also you know be critical of this thing is this fact is it whatever but there are some people that do know more than you and and to accept that and i think the general rule is is if if an astrophysicist tells you something about astrophysics you know it, it you can't weight that as as heavily as uh, you can't weight barry from bethnal's view on astrophysics as strongly <laughs> one of the things that i I don't like about you know the current media situation is quite often they will allow both sides of an argument where 99% of people you know scientists like climate change I remember listening to the radio once and there was a thing about climate change and they had a climate change denier and they gave them as much time on the show as the scientists well that's ridiculous (laughs) you know you should list they should, they're, they're a tiny percentage of, of people you know they, they don't represent 50 percent of the view do they they just represent less than one percent so you know there is there is that too but yeah it's a difficult one it really is i think it's one that we could go on and and talk a, a lot more about but we are gonna run out of time i think but it is that thing to just look and and be discerning and and be prepared to question when questions are needed and we, we've point in society as well where we say things like, well, I'm entitled to my view and it's as valid as yours. Well, no, actually, it might not be as valid because I might actually have experience of it and you might not. And I think that's another thing that, yeah, it's it's difficult. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's not as simple as saying everyone's entitled to their view and my view is as valid as yours. If my view is that the sky is purple, it's not as valid, is it? You know, <laughs> there's empirical evidence is required, you know. So, yeah it's a tough one i think that's a good place to leave it actually with no conclusion other than it's a tough one so (laughs) candice thank you so much for your time thanks for joining us it's it's been enlightening it's been fascinating it's great and it's brilliant to have you on oh it's a pleasure